So this morning is the big day. Today is the big day. I don't know if you have any plans uh, for tonight. Maybe families gathering for a special meal. Anyone? Everybody's looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Today is Christ the King Sunday. Christ the King Sunday. It's a celebration. It's a time that's marked each year in the church calendar. The time when we celebrate the reality that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is King. And it's interesting, there's churches all around the world that are celebrating today, talking about Jesus as King, hearing sermons, hearing pastors and priests talk about Jesus as Lord and King of our lives. So for the last three weeks, we've been working up to this Sunday, this celebration that Jesus is King and Lord. And if you remember two weeks ago, you know how hard it is. We saw it just the kids, how hard it is to remember two weeks ago. But we talked about two weeks ago about the promise that God had made to King David. That he would always have an heir. Always have someone from his family on the throne. And we talked last week about what it's like when we look around and we don't see a lot of God's kingdom. Or we see things that look actually like, like things opposite of God's kingdom. Like things are going horribly wrong as we heard from Jeremiah. And he remembered the promise that God had made to David. That one of his kids, one of his, someone from his family would be a great king. These promises came out of the Old Testament and they point toward a Messiah. And we, followers of Jesus, see it fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is this Messiah, this great king who's come from the house of David. But it's interesting we start thinking about, okay, so Jesus is king and Lord. We, we get what that means in some way, but... How does that work out in our lives, right? How does that matter in school? How does that matter where we work? How does that matter with the way that we raise our family or the ways that we are involved in our community? How does the reality that Jesus is Lord and King matter in our lives, right? How many of you wrestle with those questions? If Jesus is Lord, how does this work out in my life? And maybe some of you are wondering, you know, Jason, we've been, why are we spending so much time on this for, for the last three weeks? Maybe some of you are wondering, how do we get past this theological idea that Jesus is king? How do we get past that to the way it works out in our lives, the way it matters for us right now? That's why I love the word of God. These are good questions, and I hear them again and again answered through the scriptures. God's word, this amazing story of God's creation how creation went horribly wrong, how God worked through a particular people, through Israel, through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, through kings, through prophets, all focusing on this one point in Messiah, in Jesus. How it all came together, all came to fulfillment in him. He is this great king, this great Messiah, this great Lord that they had been waiting for, that we had been waiting for. So this story comes again and we think, okay, so how does this work out in our lives? And I, well, I want us to read from Ephesians. If you want to open up your Bible <clears throat> to Ephesians chapter 1, or if you've got the little white sheet in your bulletin, you can read that as well. See, Paul's talking to the church in Ephesus, and the portion that we're going to be reading today comes from the thanksgiving Thanksgiving is, a, is kind of a formal part of a letter. You'd, basically, it's kind of like saying, hello, and here's why I'm thankful for you. Um, it was kind of the way they started letters uh, in Paul's time. And 
Paul is speaking to them about how he's thankful for them. And this is actually just a part of his thanksgiving for them. And it's interesting because you can think about the thanksgiving. It, like we might skip over it. It's just a few short uh, passages, a few short verses right in the beginning of Ephesians. And we often read other parts of Ephesians. But it's interesting because this is the why. This is the why of everything else that Paul talks about in Ephesians. It's a reality that God has raised Jesus from the dead. But let's, let's read it together. So Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, he writes, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So as I'm hearing this passage from Paul, I want to focus, I mean, there's a ton of stuff here and, and, and there's uh, lots happening, lots of great things that Paul is reminding us of, of who it is, who we are in Jesus. But I want to focus especially on verse 19 to 22 and unpack what Paul is talking about there, what he's getting at when he says that Jesus has been raised and seated at God's right hand and he is Lord over everything and everything has been put under his feet. So let's look at this. The first part I want us to, to look at is, is just the first words, words bolded there at, um, right at verse 19. It says, That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, first of all, this, Paul is trying to talk about this power that God has given us. But he frames it in saying this amazing power that God showed us when he raised Jesus from the dead. When he raised him up. Now that's amazing power. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to even put words to how amazing that is. That God raised Jesus from the dead. And we start hearing these echoes of these fulfillments, recognizing that Jesus is fulfilling what God had promised to David. That he would always have one of his heirs on the throne. And we see Jesus being raised to life, even when everyone thought he was dead. They thought it was over. And it actually only just begun. But only did God raise him, but he raised him to his right hand. Jesus, seated at the right hand of God the Father. Now for us, we sort of lost that, uh, that connection with, with the right hand. In the ancient world, that was a seat of honor. That was uh, maybe the, the, if we could take our idea of, you know, my right-hand man. How many people have heard that phrase? Has anybody here ever been a, somebody's right-hand man? <laughs> take that and multiply it by about a thousand. The importance of being at God's right hand. That Jesus is God's right-hand man. His right-hand son. Reigning and ruling over all of creation. So that's the first part, is that God has raised him and seated him at his right hand. But let's look at this, keep reading. 
It says, uh, raised unto his right hand far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given. Now, this is an interesting part because that's pretty high. God has given a place above everything, over everything. Given him responsibilities over everyone. Higher than Putin. Higher than Obama. Higher than Harper. Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. Now it's interesting for us, like, how do we work that out, right? And how do we talk about this with people around us? I mean, that's, this is one thing where this is, this is a part of the scriptures, a part of the gospel that's not really, well, it's up to you to decide what you like or don't like or what you believe or don't believe. This is a fact that Paul is stating, that Jesus is Lord. So it doesn't really matter how we feel about it, whether we'd like to believe it or not. It's what Paul is saying is who Jesus is. Which is interesting in our time. Because we live in a time of relative truth. I mean, I talk with people about faith and people often say, oh, that's nice for you. It's just not for me. Or I have my own beliefs, which is kind of like code for saying, I don't really want to talk about this anymore. But Paul's saying this is objective. This is... This is a fact. Sort of like saying, you know, it's saying two plus two is four. It doesn't matter how you feel about four. Two plus two is still four. And so it's interesting for us to hear this good news about who Jesus is. That even on days when maybe we don't feel like Jesus is Lord, like we talked about last week, we look around us and it's hard to see God's kingdom. The truth is still that Jesus is Lord and King. But let's keep reading. So he said he's far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. Not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. I want to take just a second there, because when we talk about Jesus, I realize when we talk about Jesus as king, I think most of us, most of us assume Jesus is king way up in heaven somewhere, but not really down here. Or we say that Jesus is king someday, hopefully, when he finally returns, but not really right now. Paul is saying just the opposite of what we usually think. He has to remind the Ephesians that Jesus is king not only now, but also in the age to come. I think this is something that we need to hear. That we keep living the reality that Jesus is king, not only when he comes someday, not only in heaven, but also here, right now. Jesus is Lord. And the thing is, we can be hard because we look around and we start thinking, like we talked about last week, how is Jesus king? Where is his kingdom? And we talk some about that, about how God does amazing things and tiny little things like mustard seeds. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, the tiniest of seeds. Yet when it's planted in the ground, it grows to become the largest of the garden trees, so big that even birds of the air can perch in it. Jesus tells us the kingdom of God is smaller than we think and we are so apt to take it for granted. To see the things that God is doing and just say, oh, that's, I don't know what that is. It's just, that's not enough for me. I want to see more of God's kingdom. But it's interesting because I realize it, or I was realizing this week, but that the more we live out God's kingdom, the more we live as Jesus is king, the more we will see God's kingdom. I mean, Jesus is king But if we aren't living that way, 
it's going to be harder and harder for us to see it, let alone the people around us. But this interesting thing happens. The more we live as Jesus is king, the more we keep asking, Holy Spirit, what are you up to? Where are you at work? The more we will see it. The more we'll see it in our own lives by the things that we do, the things that we say, the ways that we help people. The more we'll see it in the way God is doing, uh, the way God heals people or blesses people or comes through for our friends and our neighbors. The more we live this way, the more we will see God's kingdom. But let me read some more. It says, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything in the church. So Jesus is the head of the church, head of us. You are, we are the church. Jesus is head over us. Now there's this direct connection for us to this king. As we, as the church, followers of Jesus, if Jesus is head over us, and there's this direct connection for us to follow him, to live the way that he teaches us to live. Because when we do that, we begin to join in what God's Spirit is doing. We start finding God at work in our community, in our lives, and we start joining into that, and we see amazing things happen. We get to connect with our friends and our neighbors, and we get to pray with them. We just see how God is at work, either bringing healing to their bodies or bringing healing to their lives, transforming So because Jesus is head over the church, we've been called to follow him and to recognize him as king. So I hear this story as I'm listening to what Paul says. I hear this grand theme of Jesus as king played out right in his letter to the church in Ephesus. The last couple of weeks we've been reading and, and hearing mostly from the Old Testament, but this morning we're hearing from Ephesians, from the New Testament. Paul talking about this new reality in Jesus. That God has raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. Jesus is his right-hand man. But not only that, he's raised him to, his, to the highest place, above every ruler and authority and power, above every government, Jesus is Lord and King. Not only that, but in this age, Jesus is King. Not just in heaven above, not just uh, sometime when he returns, but also now, Jesus is Lord and King. And he is head over the church, head over us. So that's kind of the theological part of it. That's what Paul's saying theologically. But the big question that we keep asking is how does this matter for us, right? Because it's one thing to know and even to say Jesus is Lord, but how do we live that in our lives? How does it change the way we live? That's the question we want to get to. That's what we want to figure out. If Paul says Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, we want to know how does that matter when the way we live tomorrow or this afternoon, right? Well, the good thing is, is it's simple. It's simple. Everything matters. Following Jesus, everything matters. The job that we do and the way that we do it matters. The stores that we shop at and the things that we buy matter. The politicians that we support and the ways that we vote matter. The way that we give money to others and the things that we're involved in our community matter. The ways that we treat our spouse matter. The ways that we raise our children matter. Everything matters 
when Jesus is Lord and King. Everything. There is no separation of my faith life and the rest of my life when Jesus is King. There is no separation of what I do on Sunday morning and then kind of what I do the rest of the week. Everything matters. All of our life is a part of God's kingdom. I hope that's encouraging to those of you who maybe think like, well, I'm just, I'm just a carpenter. Or I'm just a teacher. Those are kingdom vocations. They don't necessarily have to be, and you can do that without any sort of regard for the kingdom, but those are kingdom vocations. There are ways to be a carpenter that, that cultivates the kingdom of God in our community. There are ways to be a teacher or a doctor that cultivate the kingdom of God in our community. There are ways to be a student that cultivates the kingdom of God in our community. <clears throat> there are ways to be a retiree that cultivates God in our community. Thank you, you're right? <laughs> everything matters. But that also becomes kind of a hard thing, too, because if everything matters, it can feel overwhelming. Where do we begin? Where do we start? We start with the reality that Jesus is Lord, that we put that at the center of our lives. And we have to keep putting Jesus as Lord at the center of our lives because the world around us keeps trying to tell us that no, 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 the size of your house, that's what really matters. That's how you gauge your life. Or the, the world around us tells us, no, the, how far you get in your career, that's how you measure your life. Or how many zeros come after your bank account. Here's another one that's kind of tricky is, no, 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 it's your family. That's the center of your life. Everything revolves around that. Which is interesting because as followers of Jesus, family really matters to us. But when we make family the center of our lives, what our life revolves around, not Jesus, that's the problem. Trouble comes out of that. So what I'm saying in one sense it's simple because it's everything, but that also makes it really hard. Where do we begin? <clears throat> now it's interesting because I think about us as a church, and I don't think, and I, I could be wrong, but I don't think that our issue as a church is really like our bank accounts or the size of our house. I don't, as I know you, like those aren't the things that you revolve around your life, that your lives revolve around. But I think there is one thing that we have to be really careful of. And I'm saying this because I love you. And I'm also saying this to me as well. Is that we have to be really careful that our lives don't begin to revolve around comfort. I mean, as a church, I am grateful for you. I'm grateful for your generosity, the ways that you give and give and bless people. I'm grateful for your kindness. I'm grateful for your graciousness, the way that you welcome people who come. I'm grateful for how hard you work in our community and our church. <clears throat> but I think we do have to be careful about how comfortable we are. It was confirmed, as Teresa, as you were talking this morning, that we are really tempted to have this idol of comfort. To put that at the center of our lives and kind of see how we can fit Jesus into that or our faith or our life around that. I mean, because I look at all of us, I mean, I think everyone here this morning, I mean, there are some people who are part of our church that aren't quite this, but most of us are middle class, some upper middle class. 
Our bills are paid. We have nice homes. We have at least a car, maybe two or three to drive. We are really comfortable. And I'm grateful. I mean, God has done this. We are, I'm grateful that, that you guys have homes, that we have homes and food to eat. But also we have to be really careful that comfort doesn't become the central thing of our lives. And what I mean by this is, as I think about us as a church, that we are really good at giving and at blessing. But sometimes I wonder if we give out of our surplus or out of our wealth. I'm wondering, and only you can answer this, how often do we feel or do we realize that God is calling us to give more than is comfortable for us? To actually give some of the time that we don't, some of our free time, so to speak, some of the time that we don't really have to say, to, to bless someone in our community. Or maybe for us to go without one of our treats or one of our um, things that we really love to have, going without one of those things for a while so that we could help someone else in our community. I think that's something that we wrestle with, or at least need to be careful of, is that comfort doesn't get in our way. The comfort doesn't keep us from serving God's kingdom. And I, I get it. I mean, the world around us just bombards us with this message that, no, no, your comfort's your most important thing. Actually, we've got a product to sell you that will increase your comfort. We're just bombarded everywhere by that. Magazines, internet, TV. Saying, no, 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 we want you to be comfortable. In fact, we've got something to sell you that will make you even more comfortable. So we get it from everywhere. But we have to be careful of it. Because when our comfort becomes the central thing of our life, man, it's hard to follow Jesus well that way. I mean, we can do nice things. We can put 20 bucks in the offering. We can put 20 bucks at the, at the, uh, like at the grocery store, you know, to help kids. That's fine. But, you know, like for us, honestly, 20 bucks is like nothing. It doesn't even show up. It doesn't even, like, cut into our latte budget. 20 bucks is not hard. But when we start saying, you know, I'm gonna, we're going to figure out a way to give 200 2000 5000 $5,000. We're going to go without so we can bless someone with this. Now, that's different. I'm not talking about giving that to the church. The church is doing fine. I'm talking about using that to bless ministries, whether to bless someone in our community or a ministry in another part of the world. But I think comfort is something that we need to keep wary of. Do you hear what I'm saying? Is anybody recognizing the same thing. So what do we do with this? Like, how do we handle comfort? I mean, how do we keep Jesus as Lord and King central of our lives? First thing is we pray. And we ask, Lord, Holy Spirit, can you show me where I've put my comfort above your kingdom? That's a scary prayer. Lord, where have I put my comfort above your kingdom? And then listen and watch and look around us and see. And then be willing to make the sacrifice. That's the second part. Be willing to make the sacrifice. Be willing to go without maybe something of our comfort for the sake of someone just to have enough. Maybe we feel like, you know, that's really going to cut into my, my hobby time. 
but just don't mess with my hobby time. <laughs> but God still might be calling us to do that. To take our time out of maybe we had it set aside for our favorite thing in the world and we're going to say, you know what? I'm not going to do that right now. In fact, I'm going to take that time because I know I've got this neighbor of mine who needs help to go bless them. So that's the second thing is sacrifice. So pray, ask Holy Spirit, how's my comfort getting in the way of your kingdom? Two, sacrifice, be willing to give up. The third thing is trust, having faith, trusting God. That even when it's hard, especially when it's going to be hard, we're going to be thinking like, this is so uncomfortable that we continue, that we keep following God. We keep doing that good thing that he's called us to do, that faithful thing that he's called us to do. The third thing then is to celebrate. Or sorry, the fourth thing, celebrate. Celebrate what God has done for you then. Celebrate how God has used you to bless someone else in ways that they never expected, in ways that, that just like brighten up their whole month. Celebrate the ways that God has set us free from our addiction to comfort. The ways we hold that so tightly. Praise God that he set us free just a little bit more from that. So this is how we work this out, this kingdom life. You know, it's, it's simple in terms of everything is a part of the kingdom. Our whole life is included in our faith. Not just Sunday morning, all of our lives. We have to keep being wary of comfort, how we put that at the center and we hold on to that rather than forwarding God's kingdom. We put our comfort over his kingdom. We do this, we, we, we work against this, so we fix this by praying, by sacrificing, by trusting, and then by celebrating. You with me? So, okay, so we've, we've heard this kind of theological. We heard, like Paul, talking about Jesus as Lord and King above everything. And we've talked a little bit about how that works out in our lives. How can we put this together? How can we begin living this, like even today or this week, right? What's something practical I can begin doing this week? This week, I would like you to do one thing. I'd like you to begin just with this prayer. Lord, Holy Spirit, show me where I've put my comfort above your kingdom. And then listen. And listen and, and respond. So I think that's going to lead to some sacrifice. Setting down some of our comfort for the sake of God's kingdom. And I'm going to ask you to trust too. Because when it's uncomfortable and you're thinking, oh, this is, this is not what I want to do, God. This is, I would way rather spend this money on me or I'd way rather use this time for me to keep trusting. But God is setting you free setting you free from your addiction to your comfort, setting you free to bless others and to, to be, receive blessing yourself. I mean, Teresa talked about some, about how going to Africa feels like she's the one who's receiving the blessing. She's the one whose faith is being encouraged by the faith of the people there. And then celebrate. Praise God. Praise God for what he's doing in you and through you in our community, the way he's using you the way he's using us to grow his kingdom here, to bless people and to bring people into new life with him. So I, I was thinking about this. I, I have this, I've already worked out or I've already 
I guess God has already worked out how I'm going to do this week. And I just, I wanted to share this with you so you can kind of see at least one example of what it looks like. And I pray that, like, as you listen to the Holy Spirit, one, maybe this helps, or two, this, you just totally listen to God's, his ideas for you. And it doesn't have to be like this. But this week, here's how I'm working this out. <clears throat> this week I found, or I have a friend who, I was talking with him, I spent the day with him this week, and I found out that, um, they're struggling. Uh, he's unable to work, and right now his, his partner's unable to work. And, and I was over there, and, and he was putting wood on the fire, and, and I was just asking him, you know, so how's it going? Because I know it's been tight. And he started talking about firewood. And he said, that's, my, that's my, my firewood right there for the year. And he pointed to a wheelbarrow at the front door of his trailer, a wheelbarrow filled with wood from his property. I'm just thinking, God, what, what am I going to do about this? Like, how can I help? What am I going to do? And so, um, and this guy doesn't, he's not a part of, uh, of any church that I know of, and, um, which is fine. Um, but he's still my friend. And Lord, what are you up to? How can I join in what you're doing here? And so, started praying about it and thinking and, and then I realized I have a, a, another friend who's, who's, I just met him this year. He's kind of an older guy. And uh, uh, I don't know that he's a part of any church either. But uh, um, I know he sells firewood. And he was talking with me, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago, really angry about somebody who had stiffed him on a load of firewood. And, um, so I was talking with him. And I'm, I said, how much, is, how much is a quart of firewood? And he said, well, it's this, it's uh, what is it, 150 bucks for a Cord, if you buck it up, 250 if I deliver it. So I started thinking about how can I put it together um, to buy my friend you know, a couple of cord of wood and what a blessing that would be to them. And then I'm <laughs> praying, okay, how am I going to work this out? And then actually uh, another friend who I've known for a little bit, but kind of gotten closer, he's, um, I was talking with him and he doesn't, I don't know if he goes to a, a church either, I'm pretty sure he doesn't. But we were talking about it and I was telling him about the guy who needs fire when he said, and he was off doing a thing. He came back the day later and said, you know, I was thinking about what you said, and if you need help, I, I'll help too. Let me know, and I've got a saw that we can use, and so we're going to, to buy firewood for my friend who really needs it. I mean, it's not, uh, there's no, uh, I don't know how spiritual that sounds to you. It seems really practical to me. It seems like kingdom work to me. Um, I love the fact that I'm actually working with I'm going to be blessing someone who I, I don't know what they really think about Jesus. I'm going to be working with two other people who I don't know what they really think about Jesus. But we are working together for the sake of the kingdom, the kingdom in our community. And I'm grateful for the connection that it's making with me and with my friend um, to be able to care for him and to, to demonstrate real-life care. You know, it's, James talks about it in his gospel. He says, or excuse me, in his letter, he said, you know, where's your faith if, if you have a brother or sister who comes to you and says, I'm hungry and, I'm, and they're naked? And he says, he says, what faith is that if you just say, bless you, be, be filled and clothed, and you don't do anything about it? I'm hearing God speak to, to me, at least this week, on how to practically cultivate his kingdom in our community. And so that's just how I'm working it out this week. And I'm, I'm really excited to hear how God's going to be working out in your lives this week. Imagine what this could look like or continue to look like in our community with us. 
this church, this citizens, this group of citizens of the God's kingdom, you followers of Jesus, as we keep doing stuff like this. Imagine some of the lives that will be transformed. People who think Jesus has no bearing on their life at all. And yet they realize, oh, this wood is coming from someone who's following Jesus because they follow Jesus, because they believe that Jesus is Lord and King. And that matters in our lives. As they begin making those connections, as we begin listening and praying, Holy Spirit, what are you up to in our community? What are you up to in my life? What are you up to in my neighbor's life? And we start joining in what God is doing. Joining in. And then watch as God grows his kingdom around us, as people's lives are transformed and people are blessed. That's exciting for me. I don't know about you, but that's exciting for me. This morning, we've heard Paul talking about this culmination of Jesus, that he is saying it in a very compact way, that that God has raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. Jesus is Lord and King far above every rule, power, and authority. Over every government official, Jesus is Lord and King. Not only in heaven, but also now. Actually, Paul says it the other way around. He says, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. But you get what I mean. Not only is Jesus Lord in heaven far away, he's Lord, of he- he's Lord of this earth of creation right now. It matters in our faith right now. And he is head of the church, us, the church. And so we work that out by praying, by asking, Holy Spirit, how do I put my comfort ahead of you? And then we, we look for the ways, or we, we're open to the ways. We respond to the ways. It's calling us to sacrifice, giving up some of our comfort for the sake of his kingdom. And then we trust. Trust that God will use us to bless others. And that we're going to be okay, even if it feels uncomfortable, we're going to be okay. And then celebrate. Celebrate the amazing things that God is doing in us, that God is doing through us to bless others.